Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. It's harder to focus than ever these days. Thankfully, C4 has reinvented the energy drink game with C4 Smart Energy, the only energy drink clinically proven to provide enhanced mental focus, containing 200 milligram of natural caffeine, a blend of vitamins and zero sugar. It was formulated to support your well-being and help you feel your best, all while enhancing mental focus. From your brain to your body, C4 Smart Energy does it all, and tastes amazing. Look for Smart Energy in the beverage aisle at your local Kroger, Albertsons, and Safeway grocery stores. C4 Smart Energy. Stay focused. Tonight, as the death toll from Hurricane Ian nears 100, the new questions, did officials in Florida issue evacuation orders too late? Hello? First responders go door to door looking for survivors. People begin the long road to recovery. CBS's Chris Van Cleve reports tonight from hard hit Fort Myers Beach. Plus, CBS's Manuel Bohorquez travels by boat to isolated Sanibel Island. Some of the scenes are almost apocalyptic. Ukraine recaptures a key city. CBS's Charlie Daggett reports tonight as Russian troops respond with missile attacks. Neighbors tell us a grandmother, a mother, and two small children were killed as they slept. In our exclusive interview with the head of the CIA, we ask how Vladimir Putin may react to the battlefield losses. You make it sound like he's even more dangerous. Systemic abuse inside women's soccer. The explosive report detailing sexual misconduct, verbal and emotional abuse. And why Kim Kardashian was fined more than a million dollars after promoting cryptocurrency. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us as we start a new week together. Well, tonight, Florida residents are reeling from the catastrophic damage of Hurricane Ian. The death toll stands at 95, but sadly, that number is expected to rise. And five days since the storm made landfall, more than a half a million are still without power. FEMA's damage assessment is ongoing and rescue efforts are still underway. More than 2,000 people in southwest and central Florida have been brought to safety. One of the hardest hit areas, Sanibel Island, remains cut off from the mainland with no electricity or running water for most of the residents. 
Tonight, there are major questions about delayed evacuation orders in Lee County, which took a direct hit. President Biden will visit Florida on Wednesday to survey the damage. And today he was in Puerto Rico, where residents are still recovering from Hurricane Fiona. CBS's Chris Van Cleve will start us off tonight from Fort Myers Beach. And good evening, Chris. How are the people there holding up? Well, Nora, frustration is mounting for many gas, power and water remain in short supply. The entire city of Fort Myers Beach has now been closed even to residents so crews can focus on searching for survivors. And it is not easy. There are buildings that have been tossed about mountains of rubble. That is a fishing boat on top of an SUV and perhaps somewhere in all of this mess, people. Tonight, new images of the devastation near Fort Myers Beach as search and rescue teams sift through the widespread destruction. Going door to door looking for survivors or those who perished in the storm. Fire department! The city's mayor says perhaps more than two dozen remain unaccounted for. Lifting up houses, lifting up rubble, listening, sending dogs in. So what they're trying to do is to find the survivors. Shrimper Logan Lyons rode out the storm on his boat. The 65-year-old and his load of shrimp came out unscathed. The next time a hurricane's coming, would you think about riding it out on the boat? No, no, I wouldn't even ride it out on land. If they say evacuate, I'm going to evacuate. But as residents struggle to pick up the pieces, there is mounting criticism over the decision not to issue an evacuation order for Lee County until Tuesday, the day before Ian made landfall. That's despite warnings they were in the storm's path since Friday. Today, the sheriff defended the county's response. You said 800 rescues, which is a, a huge number. Uh, it raises the question, did the evacuation order work and should it have been issued sooner? We got that message out at the right time. Now, whether people listen to it, we can't force people out of their homes, but we can continuously say, look, mandatory evacuation. Today, President Biden toured damage from a different hurricane two weeks after Fiona crippled Puerto Rico's power grid. He pledged $60 million to help in the recovery. I'm determined to help Puerto Rico build faster than in the past and stronger and better prepared for the future. Monday, many coastal counties in Florida began issuing evacuation orders. Fort Myers Beach that morning started encouraging its residents to get out. By Monday night, the town posted on its social media, the risk was so great, people needed to evacuate, even though Lee County wouldn't make an evacuation decision until Tuesday morning. When Lee County finally did, it was less than 24 hours before Ian's arrival. Nora? Not a lot of time for people to get ready. Chris Van Cleve, thank you. Well, one of the hardest hit areas was Sanibel Island, where tonight officials are urgently trying to evacuate any remaining residents. The mayor has called Sanibel uninhabitable after Hurricane Ian tore through the island. CBS's Manuel Bohorquez saw the devastation up close. Good evening, Manuel. Good evening, Nora. Some island communities remain accessible only by air or by boat. That's how we were able to see today firsthand the devastation over on Sanibel Island, where the vast majority of its 6,500 year-round residents did evacuate ahead of the storm. Arriving by boat, the damage soon becomes clear, but it's by air that you get the full scope of Ian's wrath. Block after block of Sanibel Island with roofs blown off, homes damaged or destroyed. The scenes here on Sanibel Island are almost apocalyptic. You 
Don't see a soul. Trees knocked down, sand all over the streets. One of the few people we ran into were Luke Jankowskis and his brother, who returned to check on their house. What are you seeing? Man, the devastation is unreal. You know, it's just, it's kind of sad to see. More than 200 households remained as Ian crossed over Sanibel Island. So far, almost 500 people have been rescued, including Lacey McClary, a local artist who was airlifted to safety. I thought this, we need to make peace. This may be the time, but God, please just save all of us. She recorded the storm as it created a wind tunnel in her friend's house where they wrote it out. 1171. Today, she asked us to check on her house. It's uninhabitable. Very surreal. We went with McClary to her art studio in nearby San Carlos Island, which was also leveled by Ian. There, she reunited with neighbors and surveyed the damage, saving whatever art had made it through the storm. What's it like to see the ones you've been able to pull out? I think they're all here. I think they all stayed. We also found this photo of her and her grandmother. My granny Pauline, <laughs> she's an angel, so I'm sure she was watching out over my stuff. Lacey also lit up when she found some of her paints and art supplies. She says it's those little things that can help her try to get back on her feet as she hopes to one day rebuild not only her studio here, but also her home. Nora. Oh my goodness. Manny Bohorkas, thank you so much. We want to turn now to a scathing new report which detailed systematic abuse within the U.S. Women's Professional Soccer League. The year-long independent investigation found that sexual misconduct, emotional abuse, and verbally abusive coaches are rampant throughout the sport. We get more now from CBS's Nikki Batiste. Today, some of the complaints and allegations from players in the National Women's Soccer League detailed publicly how they were ignored and overlooked in favor of keeping coaches and owners in jobs. The sexual misconduct varies here from really inappropriate misogynistic type comments to unwanted sexual advances to actual coercion by coaches. Former U.S. Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates led the probe. The report says abusive coaches move from team to team. Those in a position to correct the record stayed silent. In a circumstance like this under the National Women's Soccer League, is there such a thing as a consensual sexual relationship? Not between a player and a coach. Um, there is such a power differential in that relationship. It is, by definition, not consensual. Last season, five of the ten head coaches in the National Women's Soccer League either were fired or stepped down amid allegations of misconduct. Sexual misconduct accusations against coach Paul Riley ignited protests among the players, who last year paused games for moments of silence. Sinead Farley is one of the players who spoke out against Riley. Soccer for me was my safe space in my in my world and something that I had such an innocent, pure love for since I was a little girl, and that was taken from me. Previously unreported incidents between former coach Christy Holly and a player describe how he invited her to watch game footage and instead showed her pornography and touched her inappropriately. The U.S. soccer president today called the report heartbreaking and promised action, including creating an office to handle allegations of misconduct and implementing background checks for all U.S. soccer staff. Nora? Absolutely sickening. Nikki Batiste, thank you.
Well, overseas now to Ukraine. Tonight, President Zelensky says Ukrainian forces have retaken more territory in the eastern regions that Russia has illegally annexed. This, as CBS News has learned, that a new U.S. aid package will include more advanced rocket systems that have been key to Ukraine's recent advances. CBS's Charlie Daggett is in southern Ukraine. Ukrainian tanks take up position holding the line in recaptured territory in eastern Ukraine. Reinforcements after Russian troops were forced to retreat from the strategic town of Lehman. Ukraine's president thanking his warriors, saying the successes of our soldiers are not limited to Lehman. A reference to lightning advances in the south. This video said to show soldiers raising the flag in a retaken village toward Kherson. But after President Putin's illegal annexation on Friday, many here are bracing for a massive escalation, including the exiled mayor of Russian-held Melitopol. I expect that uh, Putin will use nuclear weapons. You do? Yes, I expect it. Yes. Uh, he's a crazy. His forces have already stepped up attacks on civilian targets. Take a look at this crater. It's not exactly clear what the intended target was, but a massive Russian missile completely destroyed a home in this residential neighborhood. Neighbors tell us a grandmother, a mother, and two small children were killed as they slept. The world may be getting used to scenes like these. Not if you lived in this neighborhood, where two school kids went to sleep, unaware of what the night would bring. There are more explosions here in Dnipro overnight and this morning. Yet tonight, Ukrainian forces are on the move. And there's a real sense of momentum as they claw back Russian-held territory. Nora? Charlie Daggett, thank you so much for your reporting. The war in Ukraine is just one of the issues the Central Intelligence Agency is closely monitoring. The CIA is marking its 75th anniversary this year, so we visited the headquarters at Langley to speak with Director William Burns and asked him if Putin is concerned about the advances Ukraine's military is making as hundreds of thousands flee Russia. It's got to be concerned, and not just about what's happening on the battlefield in Ukraine, what's happening at home, and what's happening internationally. You know, he stood next to Xi Jinping last February, just before the war started, and they proclaimed a friendship without limits. Well, it turns out that that friendship has some limits, too. I mean, the Chinese have controlled their enthusiasm for Russia's conduct of this war. Uh, they haven't provided the kind of military support that Putin had been looking for as well. So he's got to be troubled by what he sees. But he's also stubbornly confident in his own judgments. He believes he's tougher than anybody else. You make it sound like he's even more dangerous. Putin cornered, um, Putin who feels his back against the wall, um, can be quite dangerous and reckless. And we saw, you know, the flawed assumptions that he's made before the war. I think he's basing his approach now on equally flawed assumptions where he thinks he can tough it out with the Ukrainians and with the United States and with the West. How closely is China watching what's happening in Ukraine? Oh, I think President Xi is, is watching what's happening in Ukraine like a hawk. I think he's been sobered to some extent by the poor performance of the Russian military. The Chinese leadership is also looking at what happens when you stage an invasion and the people you're invading resist with a lot of courage and tenacity as well. So I think all of that um, has been sobering and in some ways unsettling for the Chinese leadership. You mean it could sober 
President Xi's ambitions with Taiwan? I think it could. President Xi insists today that while he is firmly committed to unification, in other words, to achieving control over Taiwan, that his preference is to pursue means to achieve that short of the use of force. But he's also instructed his military, we know, um, to be prepared no later than 2027 to conduct a successful invasion of Taiwan. So the reality, at least as we see it, is that the further you get into this decade, the greater the risks rise of a potential conflict. And you can see more of our interview with Director Burns on CBSNews.com. Well, across town here in Washington, the Supreme Court's new term got underway today. Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson made her debut as the first black woman to sit on the nation's highest court. The new term will include a number of big issues, including voting rights, LGBTQ rights and affirmative action. Right now to a disturbing story out of Stockton, California. Police are on the lookout for a possible serial killer after multiple deadly shootings since July. CBS's Carter Evans has the details. The crime scene where 54-year-old Lawrence Lopez Sr. was gunned down marks the latest in a string of murders that Stockton police now think are all related. You could probably very well call this a uh serial killings. Chief Stanley McFadden says all of the victims are men who were ambushed and shot, but not robbed. None of the murders were caught on surveillance cameras. We have no evidence to tell us that it's one person, two or three. Investigators released this grainy image, a person of interest, possibly the suspect or just a witness. The murders were all committed in dimly lit areas. The victims between the ages of 21 and 54, all but one, are Hispanic. A sister of one of the victims, too afraid to show her face on camera. I hope the son of a rots in hell. I hope that he gets caught. The first victim was 35-year-old Pa Yaw. His mother says investigators gave her some details. He was walking with somebody and the person turned towards him or faced him, whatever, and shot him multiple times. All of it leaving a community in fear. Everybody's on edge lately because now people are just afraid of coming outside. Stockton police tell us they're increasing patrols in the area with more officers working late night and early morning hours. The ATF and the FBI are also assisting with the investigation, and now there is a $95,000 reward for information leading to an arrest. Nora? Carter Evans, thanks very much. Well, changes could soon be coming to the NFL's concussion protocols after yet another high-profile player is injured. And Kim Kardashian gets caught up in a crypto investigation those stories when we return. When it comes to picking the perfect treats for your dog, Stuart makes the choice easy by keeping it real. Real ingredients, real nutrients, real benefits. Stuart dog treats are free from additives, corn, soy, wheat, and grains. Plus, they're freeze-dried to lock in all the great nutrition and natural flavor your furry friend deserves. Stuart freeze-dried dog treats. Big, tail-wagging nutritional benefits. Available on Amazon.com today. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. 
absolutely, positively FedEx. The NFL and Players Union says changes in the league's concussion protocols will soon be announced following their investigation into head injuries suffered by the Miami Dolphins quarterback in two separate games last week. An unidentified doctor was fired. And following Tampa Bay's Sunday night game, the Buccaneers are facing questions after tight end Cameron Brait was allowed back on the field after colliding with a teammate and suffering a concussion. All right, Kim Kardashian was just fined nearly $1.3 million by the SEC to settle charges. She's accused of promoting a cryptocurrency on Instagram without disclosing that she'd been paid $250,000 to do so. The SEC chair says the case is a reminder that celebrities endorse investment products that may not be right for everyone. Kardashian paid penalties without admitting or denying its findings. And there's a nationwide cheese recall. The important details you need to know, they're straight ahead. Two types of cheese are being recalled nationwide after being linked to a listeria outbreak. Brie and camembert cheeses made by Michigan-based Old Europe Cheese have been linked to six cases of listeria in recent years. They were sold under 25 different brand names and sold at popular grocery stores like Trader Joe's, Albertsons, ShopRite. The company issued a voluntary recall for products with best buy dates through December 14th. And we'll be right back with a look at turning the American dream into reality for some students. It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this, all of My Mochi's fabulous flavors like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings or the midnight munchies. Yeah, you know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Finally, tonight, helping teenagers overcome some of life's difficult challenges in order to write their own futures with a college education. Here's CBS's Meg Oliver. Nancy Rico Mineros is a first-generation college student in her junior year at NYU. I was below the poverty line, and I never saw myself going to college. I never thought that was an option for me. 
Growing up in Camden, New Jersey, at times her parents had to choose between paying the electric bill or buying food. It was very difficult. Despite the financial hardship, her late mother, who died from COVID her freshman year, encouraged her to apply for college and scholarships. That's when she found the Horatio Alger Association. Since 1984, it's given out $235 million in scholarships to students in need. Students like Angel Vigil, who spent years bouncing between family and foster homes. If it wasn't because of the scholarships, I would not be able to attend university. He's now a sophomore at Arizona State University. Now I see myself being able to complete college and eventually become a surgeon. If somebody would have told me that I would come to NYU, I would not be able to believe them or like yet to afford to come here. Here, where her life has changed forever. Meg Oliver, CBS News, New York. Such a wonderful lifeline. Well, that's the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts.